Hello and welcome to episode 1246 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, January 15th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, coming to you from a freezing Texas here. Joined as always by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. It's frigid. How you doing? It's uh, a nice little change of pace that you're the one freezing, that uh, I'm not freezing. Um, I mean, it's still cold in my office. It's probably like 45 right now, but but not like, it's it's not 17. It's not 17. I live in Texas. I'm supposed to be avoiding this crap. Unbelievable. Thankfully, power's still holding. If, for, this is a message just to you because we would have fixed it by the time the pod, pod listeners listen to it. But if I disappear, the power went out and I'll be back as soon as I can. I'm but, keeping uh, it in. <laughs> Even if it's a 30 minute, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, 30 minutes. Justin and air. Paul did a seven hour podcast. It's just me like, I wonder when Paul's coming. I back. wonder, oh, this, this delay was three hours. Uh, but yeah, so, so far, so good. We were actually most worried for it this morning. So the fact that we're still good here in the afternoon or yeah, it is the afternoon now at 1220. Um, it is hopeful, but we'll see. We got our stupid ass grid here in Texas. We won't get into it, but it is cold all across the country. We need the hot stove to get going. You said, where's the hot stove on your sign there? Yeah, It's true, right? Like the, the moves are dying and we can use it just for the idea of warming up by the virtual fire there because it is for reason. Um, you guys talked about the Jordan Hicks move, moving him mm-hmm. to starter, which is interesting. I haven't listened to the episode yet. What was your general takeaway? Are you excited about this as a Giants fan? Not particularly. Um, I, I mean, like, it's whatever. Like, you know, I mean, at first I was like, I can't believe they spent this money on a guy who's probably going to end up in their bullpen. But even mm-hmm. if he did, like, whatever, it's $11 million a year. and Won't kill him. Yeah, he's you know he's when healthy. Jordan Hicks is a very good pitcher, coming like a very off a good reliever, really yeah. nice season. It, worth noting, but as a reliever, not as a starter. Yeah, uh, I just I don't know. Like I in the way I comped it yesterday with Jason was I feel like the Giants are an organization that is the type of fan dynasty fantasy player you don't want to be. Like they've got a toe in kind of. Always in both, between. yeah, both pools. Like either you want to be really good or you want to be really bad and rebuild your farm system. Mm-hmm. I like this. Like if they had gotten, let's say they signed the remaining four major four uh, free agents, right? They signed Snell, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Bellinger, and Matt Chapman, right? They signed mm-hmm. all four of those guys. Spent a bunch of money. Are they even the second best team in this division? I think those four would make them better than the Diamondbacks. And I love the baby snakes, but that would be some really nice additions. But so, to your but point, they'd have to go question. by yeah. four pretty major free agents. So Which like, they're not going to do, right? No, like, exactly. It's not going to happen. They would need all four for me to put them above the Diamondbacks, and they're not going to do that. Yeah. So like to me, like, why are you making these moves? And why aren't you just embracing the fact that the Dodgers are leaps and bounds ahead of you and – just rebuild your farm, like and and the World Series runner-up, yeah, is is, is opening the window. And the Padres, and the Padres are still good. Like I know the I Padres know. traded away Soto, but like mm-hmm. they're still better than the Giants right now. So like, yes. just embrace the suck a little bit. You won your three World Series, you know, uh, in recent memory, and uh, now 
be okay with losing for a little bit. And how much does 22 have a pull of like, wow, we did this 21 two years ago or 21. Yeah. We did yeah. this three years ago now though, I guess. So I think that ruined everything. I think they were going to embrace the suck. Mm-hmm. And I think that 107 game winning season for the giants, um, either fooled them into thinking that they were a really a, a good team that could win a championship or at least gave them the fear that, oh, no, we can't go from 107 wins to 70 wins and have the fan base not erupt. Um, well, and I think that's just a bad process. Like, Yeah, because they're going to do it. They're going to yeah. go from 107 to 70 here in a moment if they're not careful. 81 yeah. in 2022, 79 last year. There's a chance that it goes lower this year, even with some nice additions. Like, I love the Jung Hoo Lee mm-hmm. signing. I don't hate this Hicks signing, but what else did they really bring in to prevent them from doing that in a division that's getting tougher, too? We have to keep reiterating. Diamondbacks are good. Dodgers amazing. Padres strong. Rockies are still eating glue in the corner, but... You know, <laughs> even them, I don't know how far behind the Giants I put them. Yeah. More so I, due to the Giants not being great than the Rockies doing anything special. Yeah. I just, to me, like, I, they, they have not done a great job of building a good farm system that can translate into major league talent, especially on the offensive side where it's difficult to get free agents in general to want to sign in San Francisco because of the cost of living and the taxes. Uh, We saw, you know, the Dodgers, you know, (laughs) let people, you know, put their payments out into, you know, 30 years in the future. So that way they could pay their taxes after they retired. Um, Yeah, it is. Uh, But like for hitters, like why would you want to go if you expect to have another shot at a new contract, like you're in that park. So like, they have to become better at developing hitting talent, especially uh, so that way they can, you know, because pitchers will want to come there. Like that's, you know, it's yeah. a good place to Any pitch. pitcher will go pitch in San Francisco. Hitters a little bit more dubious, especially if you're a lefty. It's like the opposite problem that the Rockies have, right? Like the yes. Rockies, like hitters will go there, no problem. But pitchers, like, you know, you'd have to really, really overpay even just to keep someone uh, yeah. that's been in your system, much less someone who hasn't. So, uh, I don't know. The I think the Giants. Like, I'm I'm grateful, and I shouldn't be complaining because like they did, you know, give you know us three World Series in five years. And true, um, I you know beggars shouldn't be like you know choosers and you know winners. But you still be want your team to make good moves though too. And I want so a I good understand. process. Like I, exactly, I don't mind losing. Like it's just like in a fantasy league, right? Like. I don't like, I want to win. Obviously I want to win, but like, if I'm going to lose, I want it to be a matter of like, Hey, I had a good process coming in and it just didn't work out for one reason or another. I don't want it to be like my 2022 season where like I lost and I had a bad process. Exactly. Um, So like for me, like I just want to see the team have a better process in terms of building their organization back up. I think that's totally fair. So we'll see what happens with the Giants and the Jordan Hicks move, but it, it's okay. I, I wish the best for him because he is a fun player. And, you know, I want to see Jordan Hicks be able to start with his nasty stuff. I'm just nervous about it. So, um, all right, let's dive into the hot corner. We can't get the hot stove going. Let's get the hot corner going. We're getting something hot to combat today's weather, Justin. So we're gonna jump to the hot corner and start our tour there. Um, 
interesting position still. Definitely not of the depth of first or second that I think we just saw in the in our first two previews here. There's some studs at the top, but then I think as early as that second tier, you got some big question marks amongst these next stars. But let's start with the the cream of the crop, the hot cornerstones here. Jose Ramirez with a 1480p. This is since Christmas uh, at the draft champions for the draft champions drafts at the NFBC. You can just do 1225. Through 115, you get 14 drafts of data, and Jose Ramirez is uh, carrying a 1480p, so just inside the first round. Austin Riley at 20, and Raphael Devers at 25. There's actually a fourth guy who's in between Devers and Riley, but we're going to get to him in a moment because I think he's being way overdrafted. But let's start with Jose Ramirez. Um, not bad to be able to get him at the turn of the first round. Still a very good player. Obviously, things came down in Cleveland last year. Wasn't his fault, though. He went 24-28 with damn near the same line that he had in 2022. He is just a stud. Age 31. Any concerns about where Jose Ramirez is going? Are you still drafting him as a cornerstone in the first, second round? Um, I mean, I think this is like an amazing spot to get Jose Ramirez. Um, it's hard because every time I go to set my KDS and try to figure out where I want to draft from, like I look at like guys like Jose Ramirez at the back end and I go, man, I really love like the ability to get a Jose Ramirez, um, mm -hmm. you know, that late, you know, currently he's like the 15th player off the board. Like, which yeah, means in, in a DC, you can go like Ramirez Cole, Ramirez Otani, yeah, Ramirez like, Seager. And there's worlds in which you can get like Ramirez Trey Turner, who were the top two picks in the draft not too long ago. Yeah. Um, you know, or even like a Ramirez like Bryce Harper, like mm -hmm. you know, I I know not everybody wants to start off corner corner, but like I just Ramirez is uh about as stay as you can get right i mean he's got three straight seasons with at least with at least a, uh, 636 plate appearances said at least 24 home runs and stolen at least 20 bases uh and the last two seasons 280 282 um in 2022 and 2023 uh, respectively so like it's about as safe a profile as you can get at a position that dries up like it has exactly. i think it's better than it was last year but i think it's yeah because some guys stepped up and yeah, some new, I, newcomers have risen but still it's still got some pretty deep drop-offs and i think it dries up after a, and you a can get amount. you can get 20 steals from third right like yeah. that's that's a thing too you're not really usually without sacrificing the power bingo and you know what's funny about uh ramirez is like when you're looking over his profile it's not even readily apparent where the where the 2020 season comes in because he still went 17 10 that year yeah in the 58 games that he played which is just crazy i mean it is it is clearly different than the 2020 seasons that he put up but you're like damn you only needed two months to go 17 10 that's pretty hot but jose ramirez is an absolute stud i'll take him in the mid to late first round for sure definitely mm -hmm. in the second round he's wonderful let's go to the two big power options kind of kind of a righty or excuse me kind of a well it could be a righty-lefty version of each other, but I was going to say an ALNL version of each other is kind of how I see Riley Endeavors in my in my mind's eye. Um, do you have a preference between the two? Let's start there with Riley Endeavors. Um, 
I seem to land on Riley more often than I land on Devers. Uh, I think the lineup is just a little bit better, uh, or, or actually not a little bit better, better than it is in Boston. And so, like, I see a guy who, you know, like had 117 runs scored last year in Riley and go, yeah, I think that's repeatable. Like, I don't know that I would project that. Um, and when I finish my third base ranks, we'll see where I land. But, like, 100, 100, 30 home runs, I think they're very close, though. So, like, it's not like, oh, I missed out on Riley. Now what do I do? Like, I yeah. just go to Devers, right? So um, I think they're going to be on a lot of my teams. Uh, and, I mean, I think I've drafted Riley twice in five drafts already. So, um Hard to go wrong getting in that lineup too, right? Yeah, like the lineup's just so good. The park is so good. Uh, You know, like there is like some fear that like the batting average at some point may drop down because he doesn't make like amazing contact in the zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this almost feels a little bit like a Tim Anderson situation where like it was so hard to figure out why Tim Anderson kept hitting for average, but he just always did. Yeah. Um, and yes, Tim Anderson fell off last year, uh, but like you still got five or six really great years of Tim Anderson before he uh, fell off a little bit. Um, and, and that was like, I mean, I think that was kind of an injury addled season. Like he played yeah, it's a just decent a disaster bit, but season. Like yeah. Injuries and it, playing in Chicago, everything could fell not apart. Have, yeah. Could not have been fun. So, like, you know, Anderson, you know, obviously we're talking about third base, but Tim Anderson's one of those guys I'm targeting even without a team yet. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's, you know, obviously one is uh, Jose Ramirez. And then my kind of two and, you know, two A and two B are Riley and Devers. So I think they're both fantastic options to fall back. Yeah. On. I can go either way with them. I really do have them kind of interchangeable. Maybe the tiebreaker is that Atlanta is, is just better. Yeah. So give me that. Um, if I if I am situating them, which obviously I will in a ranking, yeah, it will be Riley ahead of Devers. But like you said, Devers uh, Riley goes, cool, I'll take Devers. Devers goes, bang, I'm getting Riley. No big yeah. deal. So those are the three, the three studs. Now, we do have a group here, the next stars that could jump into this level, but I don't think any of them are established enough to be up there. Even though the one guy has an ADP, and those of you may, some of you may have guessed that that is Ellie De La Cruz. So he headlines our next stars group uh, with an ADP of 23, Gunnar Henderson at 33, Royce Lewis at 54, Hassan Kim at 84. We discussed him at second base, so we probably won't say much about him here. Josh Young at 109, and Spencer Steer at 112. We discussed him at first base, so we probably won't say a ton here. Let's let's have the Ellie discussion because we have to. I mean, this price is sky high, though, and it makes me nervous. You know, we might talk more about him at short because he qualifies there too, but I think. I think if I am drafting him, it's because I want him at third, if I'm being honest, because of the the lack of depth. But I just don't think I can pay this price for somebody that I know I don't think it's likely, but could reasonably be back in AAA this year if he plays like he did in the second half a whole bunch again. So what do we think here with, with Ellie De La Cruz? I mean, this isn't a discussion about whether you want to play him at short or whether you want to play him at third. This is all a discussion about risk tolerance. Yeah. And 
I maintain that when I am drafting in my first three or four rounds of any size league, right? I, you know, and, and really usually deeper though, we're going to talk about a guy that I've broken that rule with here in a little bit. Um, I want to draft for the least risk possible. I am drafting not for the upside necessarily, but for the downside. And I think a lot of people, and the reason why Elliot La Cruz is in the second round of drafts right now, are drafting because of the upside. They see this immense upside from Ellie Daly Cruz where he could just hit a ton of home runs, he could steal a ton of bases, and they're going, this guy could win me my league. How do I pass up on him? Mm-hmm. And they're not factoring into the equation that what you just said. There is a chance, um, I and I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit more... Uh, uh, bearish on on this uh or maybe bullish i don't know which one i'm supposed to bearish would be your negative on yeah uh, i'm on negative his, on his, his ability to stay in the major leagues you're um, bearish on ellie as a whole on ellie yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah i i i understand like he's gonna be given every opportunity to succeed i think he will start the year with either the third base or the shortstop job um but their GM has made comments like that he's not guaranteed to even start with a team. Um, and there is an overcrowded situation in which somebody doesn't have playing time yeah. or everybody is losing a little playing time. Mm-hmm. Is that what you want with your second round pick? That's if this the is thing. a fourth round pick, I could really get behind it. He's but so expensive but remember when ellie de la cruz hit came in hit the ground running right like went crazy immediately and i don't know exactly when we did it but he carried a a 899 ops through his first 29 games so somewhere in there you and i had the convo the whole are people going to take this guy first right is at first round is he going to have that kind of run and we eventually came back around after he hit the cold streak. Like, remember when we said that we were kind of crazy. Turns out maybe we weren't because despite the big fall off within the season, he's still sitting here at the second round consistently. And I think it's because that even when Ellie De La Cruz was struggling mightily, he was still putting up fantasy categories. So even with an 89 OPS plus, meaning he was 11% worse than league average on his slash line, he still put up 13 homers and 35 steals, Justin, in just 98 games. That's a full season pace that runs around 2060. And so I think that's what keeps people coming back, that even when he's struggling, he will contribute on the fantasy landscape. And I do believe that, but the cutoff point becomes where do do they then send him to the bench or to AAA if he's toting, you know, a 580 OPS for 40 games or something. And that's my concern. I just can't take Ellie De La Cruz in the second round. Not at all. And, I can't and this it. isn't an indictment on like his talent or what I think he actually will do. Because yeah. when I do his projection, um, I think it is going to end up having him as a top 30 player. Like I, I just do because like, and I think, Um, And this is the hard part about projections is they can't necessarily, you know, it's a median projection, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is what you think they're most likely to do, not what the 
extreme upside is or the extreme downside is. And when I'm drafting early on, I really think about what the extreme downside is because, you know, it, if I lose my 18th round pick, I, who, who, cares, who cares? Right. It, it doesn't matter. I just go get the next guy. I lose my second round pick. Like that is a big hole to fill in any size league. I don't care if you're in a 10 team. Like that's still hard to replace. Absolutely. Like, you know, you can do it easier in a 10 team league than a 15 team league, but it's still difficult. And I don't want to do it, especially when there are guys going around him in the ADP that I go like, Hey, like, you know, maybe, maybe Ellie De La Cruz does have the greater upside, you know, overall, but like, is he that much better than Ozzy Albies? Is he that much better than Corey Seager? Is he that much better than Austin Riley? Like, I, I, I don't think he's better than Corey Seager at all. Like the steals I mean, matter. If, like if, yeah. if he reaches, let's say his 80th percentile outcome. Yeah. Like, like, is he that much better than those guys reaching their 80th percentile outcome? As long as I'm covered at steals, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I still think I'm fine with Seager there with the big batting average yeah. power that he's going to deliver, whereas Ellie would have the power, the steals, and like a decent batting average at his 80th yeah. percentile. What do you think of the steamer projection that says 21, 30, 246 in 539 plate appearances, 130 games? Sounds like they're projecting him for missing some time as well, whether it's being shifted in because of their depth. I think to. Like, I mean, I don't think you, I think that the 500 and, you know, 40, 560 plate appearances, depending on whether you're looking at depth arch or steamer, um, makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. even, let's say he doesn't get sent down. Let's say he, he stays, spends the entire time at the majors because of his volatile nature, he will lose playing time when he struggles, right? Like he may not get sent down, but he will not play necessarily every day. And with the especially way if they're the, contending, by the way, yeah. And with the way the Reds are constructed right now, like if if the Reds go into the season with the team as currently constructed, everybody loses some playing time, or somebody loses a lot of playing time. True. And I tend to think that the former is correct. I think that everyone will lose some playing time as they just rotate pieces all around and yeah. try to give guy, you know, try to optimize matchups and try to give guys opportunities and play the hot hitter. Uh, and the problem with Ellie is when he's not the hot hitter, he'll lose that playing time. So yeah, I think because he's really rough. Yeah. When he, when he's not, when he's not cooking. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I will probably project him for 550-ish plate appearances. Um, I will probably project him for around you know, high teens home runs. I don't think I don't think he's a 20 homer guy unless he gets the 600 plate appearances quite yet, just because the um his launch angle is so low and he hits so many ground balls. I mean, we're talking last, you know, obviously it's a short sample, but it was still 400 plate appearances. So yeah. Um he had a 54% ground ball rate, a 3.6 degree launch angle. Um, I think he's probably a 230-ish hitter, um, you know. Is, is, and, it, is it the height? Like, he cuts down on the ball a bit, being so tall? I think that definitely plays into it. Um, and I just, I mean, I think he's still pretty young and raw. Like, I, Yeah, I think that, 21 you know, last year. So, uh and doesn't mean he can't adjust. Like he's one of those guys that like 
like I said, if everything went right for him, we're talking about a guy who's potentially like a, a 40, 50 talent. Like I'm not, I, like, I was thinking like 30, I was going to say 35, 70, yeah. just, you know, take I mean, the homers and double the steals. He, but He crushes the ball. He has a ton of like, he could steal every base. Like he um, has Ellie De La Cruz is in the top five best chances to do an Acuna at his best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Corbin Carroll, Mookie Betts, Ellie De La Cruz. Is like, that it? Could anybody else even do it? Because I don't even know if Mookie and Corbin are hitting 41. I want to bring uh, like I'm going to bring probably Mookie here 600 and see what um though I guess they were pretty close to But it. like that's how that's that's how crazy his talent. Never mind. Mookie hit 39 last year. I'm I'm of course he could hit 41. So yeah, yeah. Mookie and, and Mookie would have to run a ton. I'm not saying that he would, but if you're trying to identify guys that could that could do an Acuña, a 41-73, Ellie's in the short list. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the risk though. Here's here's the thing for me. If I'm taking this profile, why wouldn't I just take O'Neill Cruz? Much and cheaper. I think that is the argument. And I've seen the argument made a million times on uh, on social media. I mean, I think the argument against it is we don't know how healthy uh, O'Neill uh, True. Cruz is. And he might not um, run as much because of it. it was a broken yeah. leg last year. He also year. plays in Pittsburgh, which isn't as nearly as... I mean, it's, it's like the exact opposite park of Cincinnati. Correct, correct. Um, though, I mean... Cruz is O'Neill Cruz, uh, power, I think, plays anywhere. But um, it's 60 pitches cheaper, uh, picks cheaper, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably not drafting either of them very often, uh, if at all, um, because of, again, I just think both of them are boom bust. And that early, I'm not as interested in taking them. Uh, but uh, I totally understand why people are doing it. I just think it is a risky process. And the, you know, you and I talked with Rob DiPietro on, uh, on the, uh, the poll Hunter podcast last mm -hmm. week. That's why we didn't record on Thursday here. Cause we were recording with him. Um, and I talked about, we were talking about kind of, you know, later picks in DCs, right? Rookies, injury risk players, or actually injured players. And I said, like, I'm willing to take five dart throws or five caveats, as I called it. Yeah. Um, I think if you take a guy like Ellie De La Cruz or O'Neill Cruz, then that is one less dart throw that you should take. Later I might even on. say two. I might even yeah. say because of the earliness of the pick, I might say it almost counts as like two of your dart throws. Yeah. If you take an Ellie specifically at pick 23 mm -hmm. versus O'Neill Cruz at pick 86. Now, O'Neill Cruz is no longer shortstop. I just want to be clear since we're talking hot corner. Yeah, I yeah. brought up O'Neill Cruz just because their profiles are similar. He's shortstop only. Yeah. Ellie is third and short. So continue. Sorry. And I think the problem is, is the vast majority of people who take someone like Ellie De La Cruz or O'Neill Cruz, for that matter, they compile the risk. Yes. They're not taking that one guy and then going, oh, yeah, no, I am i won't touch Royce Lewis. I won't touch Byron Buxton. I won't touch this guy or that guy that is injured risk or starting in the year in the minors. They compound it. They take um, like three of them. Yeah, or more, like I yeah. did in my, in my 2019 main event draft. And then by May, they go, I can't feel the team. Um, yeah. So, like, if you're going to take the risk, I don't have a problem with it necessarily. Um, I'm not going to. But if you do take the risk, 
do not compile that by taking other guys with similar risks. No, and I totally agree with that. And I've I've been of the mind previously at times of of what we were saying on the former there. Oh, I took Ellie, so I might as well just kind of stack the risk and try to shoot the moon. No. I'm going to go ahead if I take somebody like Ellie, which again, I'm not I'm not taking him. O'Neill Cruz would be more in my wheelhouse at pick 85. Um but if I would, if I were to take an Ellie, then give me the boring old guys for like the next five rounds and mm-hmm. old being like 28 in this case, I, I'm talking like, I just want guys that are established. Yeah. So I'm taking Brian Reynolds and Christian Yelich and some boring ass pitchers or whomever. I'm just trying to think of names off the top of my head, but I'm really toning down the risk if I take somebody like that. And I just can't get there with Ellie. I wish him the best. I hope it's a remarkably exciting season. Good luck to you if you take him, but pick 23 is way too expensive for me. I would be more inclined to take this guy just 10 picks later, has his own risk, but I think I'm more comfortable with Gunnar Henderson, who, by the way, I'll take a Mia Culpa on. Uh, I was not keen on him last year. Now, one thing I will give myself a slight back pat on is I didn't go victory lapping in May when when things weren't good those first two months. I just said, I'm not going to do that. He wasn't a guy I liked, but I didn't think that he was definitely toast. And he did close with four brilliant months, June through September, six, six, five, and six homers in those four months for Gunnar Henderson after five through May. Uh, really found his footing and took off. Ended up with 28 homers, 10 steals, 255 average, 100 runs and 82 ribs on that excellent Orioles team. He is now pick six, uh, 33, excuse me, also third base and shortstop. And even though it's only 10 picks difference and he doesn't have near the speed upside of, of Ellie, between the two, I'd be more comfortable with Gunner, even though I'm probably not taking either. What do you think of the NL, or excuse me, the AL Rookie of the Year, Gunner Henderson? Yeah, um, I'm still not bought in at the level of where he's going. Um, like I well, yeah, because last year he was sorry to interrupt you, but last year he was picked ninety. Now he's yeah. he's jumped up another level. But I just wanted to point out that I was wrong last year. He was worth pick ninety. Yeah, he was, um, and I was wrong too because I I said I I wouldn't have drafted him there, and uh, uh, I. I was wrong about the results. I don't know that I was wrong about the process. He still can't hit lefties great. Um, Which was a big concern that both yeah. of us shared. Even in like the, um, even in like, like, let's just talk about the second half. Because, you know, like you said, the first half, he, you know, struggled, uh, you know, and then he really turned it on around June. But like in July, hit 200 against lefties. He hit 239 against them, which I guess is fine. Uh, in August, and then he hit 188 against them in September. Like he still struggles against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Now he makes it work because he's so good against right-handed pitching. Um, that like I don't think this is necessarily. I, I'm not saying like oh, Gunnar Henderson is going to bust, but I don't. Again, I think it's a very similar situation with uh, with Ellie. Not nearly as drastic but uh i don't know that the price bakes into account the risk which oh, is definitely if he's doesn't dog crap against lefties at some point the orioles will platoon him and then that's a problem yeah because they have options yeah 
somebody like Jordan Westberg could come and like it doesn't have to be directly at third they can maneuver things mm -hmm. around move somebody over to third to get Gunner out against lefties and those supplemental plate appearances can hurt especially at pick 33 like you're right he didn't do well 618 OPS against lefties but you need those 20 runs three homers 11 steals or excuse me 11 ribbies and four steals to make his numbers worthwhile at pick 33 so you can't afford to lose that volume um and that does make him risky again now am i going to double down and say i'm fully out on him no i i i respect the talent that gunner has but this price is a lot higher too so i'm probably still not going to have him but i am intrigued by uh by how strong he finished my question for you with gunner henderson is 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 he a 10 to 12 13 guy on the steals or is there a world where he's dropping 25 plus he had 22 in 2022 um at double and triple a combined 22 for 25 is that in the cards at all or is he going to be one of these 10 to 15ers gunner henderson i think he's probably a 10 to 15er for the most part i mean there is a world in which he just runs right like we saw this with former oriole uh manny machado when yep. like like he zero zero one twenty stolen bases so frustrating you know, like, too. <laughs> like it just would come out of nowhere um and like i think that uh a guy like gunner like if he if the team lets him run if he decides to run like yeah i think he could steal 20 bases uh, i definitely think that that is in uh in the cards but uh would i project that no I, i'm gonna project probably 10 to 12 yeah and then that's wrong kind of see where it goes from there um i don't think that this is like i said i don't want people to like walk away because every time we have these conversations i've had i've had so many people push back on me at ellie like and they they kind of bastardize my argument like i don't think that this is uh i don't think gunner henderson is a bust like i don't think like you were going to draft him and go Oh, you know, he, well, you may say he lost your league if he doesn't, you know, perform exactly as, as protected because people do that. But right. like, I don't think Gunnar Henderson would be the reason you lose your league, but I think there is a downside that the ADP isn't accounting for. I think that's totally fair. And that's the whole point exactly that we're saying with Cruz and Henderson is that like, they have a chance to meet this price, but they have mm -hmm. a bigger chance to not. And even yep. if that not, is they were worth pick 80 or 90 yeah that doesn't kill you but it hurts and yeah. i'd rather just take guys i'm more comfortable with and so then we jump down again to another big risk but at least it's another 20 picks cheaper and that's royce lewis at, at pick 54 coming off of 15 and 6 homer steel season with a 309 average in 58 games because injuries struck yet again so the market is is buying, right? They're buying the short sample here with Royce Lewis. Uh, super upside as a former number one overall. We know the talent, the health is obviously the big hurdle. At age 25, is he ready for the big breakout? What about Royce Lewis? You paying pick 54 for him? All right, so this is the one where I've said I've gone away from what I said I was gonna do. Um, and uh, in, in my defense, it has a lot to do with the price that I got Royce Lewis at, but I have drafted okay. Royce Lewis twice I love um, it. in five drafts. Um, and uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring him up real quick. I got him at the end of the fourth round. So I picked 58 um, in a gladiator 
And then uh, in the current draft that I'm in, where I got him, I got him in the close or the middle of the fifth round. So it picks 67. Um, There's a ton of risk here. And this is not how I like to draft. And um, every time I have done it, um, I have kicked myself for doing it. Um, But man, like this is a guy who can't stay healthy, but if he does, if he does, holy crap, I think that this is a first-round pick. Um, Same. And uh, and, and this is it. not how you should be drafting. Um, if you're in a 10- or 12-team league, I totally get it. Uh, I can't imagine that Royce Lewis ends up on any, any of my big-money drafts. Um, he might uh, still find a way onto mine. I love yeah, him so I, I know, much, Yeah, I know he will, for sure. Um but he will be, I promise you, he will be like one of the first people I throw out at Taor in, in, yeah. in my auctions because he will soak up a ton of money and I have zero interest in drafting him in those spots. Um, that being said, even I fall victim to like pie in the sky uh, because like he, like I said, he could legitimately be the best player in fantasy this year. Well, um, and then if he stays healthy, you know, everything that we're saying about like Ellie and Gunner and how he liked them, this comes 20, 30 picks cheaper too. Yeah, exactly. So like, if you do want to take that kind of big risk, he can do virtually everything they can do. Yeah. Like maybe he's not got 70 steel upside like Ellie does. And, and Gunner doesn't either. We talked about that, but I'll take 20 with 30 homers and a 300 average and a 100 100 because if we're talking upside here not projection for royce but his projection's pretty hot 28 13 with a 270 and 80 80 like that's yeah. a pretty nice projection for 138 games which 138 games itself is a big what if but man i i just you know sometimes you got players that you just love and they make you buck some of your trends and and practices and royce does that to me he makes and, me a little bit of a hypocrite in royce what he does do that is different and better than a guy like o'neill cruz or ellie de la cruz is the batting average mm-hmm. he has not had a season at any level any stop at any level in which he has hit below 300 since 2019 love that like he all he does is hit the ball and he hits it hard and And we saw him dominate the fall league too remember yeah before he got hurt like mm, like uh like there everything is there for him the only part and this is the big part though is the health yeah and i did have a little bit of pushback like oh just because like he tore two acls doesn't mean like he's injury prone like one, I, I don't know that it makes him a bastion of health either. Um, yeah. And two, like, that's not all he's done. Like, he missed time last year in the majors. Like, he, like, this is a guy who continuously misses time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a ton of risk, an, an, an unreal ton of risk. And if you draft him, you should be very cautious the rest of the way. But like, like I said, I've, I, I mean, I've had five drafts, three that I've completed, two that I'm currently in, and that doesn't even include the uh, the uh, the AFL one that we haven't restarted. Um, but um, I've drafted him twice. Um, maybe it's the last two times I draft him. 
Um, it would not surprise me if that is the case, but uh, I'm, I'm very transparent about who I have and haven't taken who I will and I won't take. And I have made the plunge on Royce Lewis. Like I said, I regret, I've regretted it after, but yeah, like I, I'm, I totally see the upside. I don't think the price is outrageous in the same way it is outrageous for a guy like Elie de la Cruz um, or even Gunnar Henderson, though Gunnar Henderson's risk is not near what Royce Lewis's is. Um, and so I'm willing to, I, I've been willing to take the plunge. Like I said, I don't think I would again. I've got my shares now. I can be done. I'm in. I'm yeah, I know in. you are. Um, yeah, like I've, I've made no bones about how much I like Royce Lewis. I will take the risk. Again, it's coming cheaper than the other guys. I talk a lot lately in the last few years about how if everything's there but health, I'll take that gamble. It's still a gamble. I fully admit that. I'm not saying it's not. But I don't need certain skills to come through. I don't need his plate approach to get better. I don't need him to lift the ball more or run more. I need him to just be Royce Lewis. And if he's healthy... You just need him to stay on the field. That's all exactly. you need. It's just, and that's, hey, stay on the field. And that's a big gamble with guys like this. Oblique and hamstring injuries added to his issues uh, last year. But I love him, and so I will yeah. take him. Uh, Kim, we talked about, like I said, at second base. Go back to that episode if you want to mm -hmm. hear more about him. Josh Young, pick 109. So now we jump down a bit here. But I put him in the next stars because while he doesn't have the same upside as Cruz, Henderson, Lewis, I maybe could have put them in their own tier. But I brought Kim, Young, and Steer with them because I think all three of these guys could be part of the next big big group of third basemen. Um, Young's the only one we're going to talk about because Steer was discussed at the first base uh in the first base preview and we've discussed the reds a ton what about world series winner josh young 23 homers 70 ribs 266 average did well i guess the one thing that kind of stood out to me is i thought that the strikeouts were going to come down last year because that he talked about getting better at that and that he had he was kind of selling out for power and i kind of bought into it. i was like oh okay uh, the batting average will go up. He'll get the Ks down. The batting average did go up. 266 is fine, but the strikeouts were still there. Can we get a 270-30 type season out of Josh Young, or will the strikeouts have to come down to get to get up to that sort of peak? Um, no, I think they can still happen. Um, I mean, he makes league average contact in the zone. Uh, yeah, he does swing uh, and miss uh, a bit, but... Uh, I think that is just a product of how aggressive he is. Um, and I'm okay with how aggressive he is because I think that how hard he hits the ball and how much he makes contact with that aggression um, will be fine. So like, he's probably um, never going or Well, I don't want to say never. He's probably not going to have like a 280 batting average. Um, That's fair. Uh, yeah. Barring a big change. I do if he stays healthy. I know he, you know, he had a he had a minor injury that made him miss some time. That's why he only has 515 plate appearances. Uh, but if he stays healthy, uh, which I would think there's a pretty good chance of, like I see a 30-90 season coming at some point. Um Love and that. maybe even this year. And I feel like I feel like of all the guys that like had massive rookie campaigns. He's like the least talked about. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. he's the, one of the overlooked ones. Um, maybe it's because he doesn't run. Uh, and I don't even think he gets as much juice as his teammates. I think yeah. somebody like Evan Carter and a guy who hasn't even been in the majors yet, Wyatt Langford. I think the two outfielders are getting more yeah. heat than Josh Young. Now, 
he's got a higher ADP than them. So it's not like he's completely forgotten, but he's not being talked up. He's kind of like a ho-hum, pick 109, I'll take Josh Young, no big deal, yeah. without any chatter about his upside to go 30-90 or even 30-100, depending on where he yep. bats. If he stays in the five spot, maybe it's 30-100 with this team. And, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, he reminds me a lot of a young Austin Riley. Like, he really yeah. does. Like, he's aggressive. He hits the ball hard. Um, is that in the range of outcomes? I think it is. Sure. Um, and I think the floor is a lot safer than a lot of the other guys we've talked about. Um, and so, like, if you want to stay a little risk-averse, but you also want some upside, um, you know, wait on third base a little bit and, and grab uh, Young. I think he's um, a really, really good option at his price. Yep, I'm totally with that. I've gotten him on a team already. Probably won't be the only one. Mm -hmm. Josh Young, really, really like what he can do. And I think a repeat is fine, but there is upside there. Well, obviously a repeat with volume too, because he did yep. get hurt. So if I can get 144 games instead of 122, even better. Um, mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about the old guard here, because this is a very interesting group. Manny Machado at 73, Nolan Arenado at 101, and Alex Bregman at 108. Can they be trusted is the main question. Let's start with Machado because he's got the the big rain cloud above him with the injury. And that and that's really where the questions come from with Manny Machado. He went 30-91 with a 258 average last year in 138 games. 30-91, not bad considering he didn't play his normal 640 plate appearances. Mm -hmm. He's about 40 shy of that. But now we've got the the injury. And so that's the real question with Manny Machado. Are you taking the discount? I haven't yet. I think I'm okay taking it as long as we get good news um, come spring training time. And it's, I it's, on, it's an elbow surgery, by the way. I should have yeah. found out what the injury is. And the, the reports that I've seen are that they are hopeful that he'll be ready for opening day, but they won't be able to play defense more than likely. That he'll probably have to, DH. Yeah, that'll probably be the regular DH. Um, there's some risk to that. Uh, and... Uh, there's a risk, there's a setback, and he misses large periods of time. Mm -hmm. uh, here is um, my argument. Since 2015, obviously not including the 2020 season because that, you know, is shortened. Thank he's you. had at least 28 home runs in every single season. Yep. He, he has hit at least 256 in every single season. Like you've gotten at least 85 RBIs in every single season. I mean, I don't know if there's a more bankable player at the position than Manny Machado when he's healthy. So if you think if the reports are good coming into drafts in March, um, that he is going to be on the field and he is going to play every day, maybe it's not at third base, maybe it's at DH. Uh, then yeah, I'm in, especially on this discount. Um, until that moment, though, I'm probably out. I'm probably just staying away uh, because so you're, there's you're, so many other options in this area and above it that I'd rather take the gamble on. So you're not inclined to maybe take a little bit of a gamble that, because here's the thing, if the news comes out strong in spring, I think Machado jumps. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm okay so with that. if you believe in him, I think there is some some notion of like, well, let me buy now so that I can get my discount. 
if you're a yeah. believer. But I understand if you have some trepidation like you do, Justin, and you say, well, I don't really want to take that risk because I don't know. It may be good. It may not. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for him. I, I like Manny Machado quite a bit. I think he is really, really good. It is a little nerve wracking with the elbow for sure. But I am taking the discount. I'm not gonna overload on him. But as a multi leaguer, I think I want to get at least one share at pick seventy three, because a couple spring homers and he's pick fifty easy. Yeah. If if not higher. And so I'd be I, fine with pick fifty too. If, if yeah, fifty is fair. 50 is totally fine with me. Um, you know, like this was a Machado was a guy that I was willing to take in early second round last year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, I didn't get him in a lot of spots. Uh, but like, even if like last year was a floor, so to speak, and you got 30 91. That's fantastic. Like I, like I, I love that kind of floor. These Machado is the type of player, obviously injury aside, that I love to draft early in drafts because I know he's bankable. Yep. Yep. And if we can get that health consideration, we'll feel pretty good. Okay. Well then maybe though, maybe you just go here instead. You wait about 30 picks, two more rounds. And you take this guy who showed his downside last year, Nolan Arenado with 26 homers and 93 ribbies in a down year, 266 average. We know how great he can be, though, and he's as consistent as they come. St. Louis hasn't done really anything to uh, to greatly undercut his offense. You know, it's had a normal Coors to St. Louis discount on, on the batting average and stuff, although even in 2022, he hit 293. Are you taking the Arenado discount without the health concern and thinking of him as a bankable guy? Absolutely. Um, I mean, if I wanted to right now, I could go run out and like you know grab an energy drink and just replay what i've said about Manny machado <laughs> exactly because since 2015 he's had 600 plate appearances in every season he's had at least 26 home runs in every season he's had 93 rbis in every season his worst batting average was 255 he's a career 286 hitter like he's about as bankable as you get and there is no risk and uh, Arenado is one of those guys. Like, if I don't have a third baseman, by the time I get to him, he's going to be on my team. I haven't gotten him Absolutely. yet, but I'm I'm going to draft him a bunch. Like, he's just about as bankable as you get. Uh, and not only was you know last year was I think the floor. Um, I think it was you know is obviously his worst season as a, a, a as a pro. Um, it was a lot of people in St. Louis's worst season. Like, it was a nightmare of a season. Um, they shut him down early just because they're like, why even, you know, at this point, like let him like his risk back him was barking, hurt. I think they had back spasms like, it, yeah. like it, you know, that to me was um, an organization going, hey, you know what? You don't need to play anymore. Let's let's not worry about it. it our season's over. Like, um, like, I don't think it was a real injury. I think it was just an opportunity to let him get off his feet for the rest of the year and just relax. Um so, like, I'm not worried about Arenado. I think he's going to have 640, 650 plate appearances. I think he's going to hit 30 bombs, uh, you know, get 100 RBI and uh, and hit for, you know, a 260-ish batting average, like two, maybe even 270. Like, um, yeah, I love Arenado. I, I think he is bankable stats. Those are the guys, kind of guys I love. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not just going to repeat everything you said. I totally agree. Big fan. Think he's being underrated. 
sign me up for that with Nolan Arenado. Sign me up for this guy too, but they're both third base only, so it's one or the other. It's got to be, obviously, with Bregman and Arenado. Sure, I could put one at corner. I'm unlikely to take both at the same time, though, you know, take them back to back. Uh, but I still love Bregman. I loved him last year. I didn't quite get the full power rebirth. Um, I was thinking healthy, maybe he starts creeping back toward 30, not the 41 of 2019. That was a rabbit ball. But I was wondering if maybe he'd creep up into the low 30s. He got 25. I'll take my 25.98 with 103 runs and a 262 average. I think maybe we just are done with 30 homer seasons from Bregman. Maybe he gets a pull happy season that, that, you know, gives us one more 30 something season. But I think for now, if we plan for 25 to 27 homers, 90, 90 with a 260 average, there's nothing wrong with that. So if someone snakes Arenado out from under me, I take Bregman immediately and I move on. Any, any issues with uh, Bregman there at pick 108? Yeah. Bregman was a guy I ended up with on a couple teams last year, including my uh, auction championship team. Um, and I think in tout wars, uh, largely because I think he's overlooked. Like, Completely. I think he's just like, it, like people just kind of go, eh, he's boring. Yep. I'll take boring guaranteed production. 724 plate appearances last year, 656 the year before. Um, you know, I know he dealt with some injuries, uh, but he changed his routine. Uh, and the last few years, it's really, really shown. It's in the middle of a fantastic lineup in a park that's built for him. Uh, yeah, I think he's probably a mid. 20s homer guy uh but like you said like hey is there is there a world in which 33 homers isn't out of the question for alex bregman no i Not mean i all. think especially with the way he pulls the ball and those crawford boxes like in houston like i think that that could definitely happen but the runs and rbis are so important and so under thought about i think from you know like there isn't really that much of a reason why Alex Bregman shouldn't be going at the exact same spot as Josh Young. Like, I don't know that they are that. Well, in, fair, in fairness, he is. Oh, okay. All right. That, yeah, that their, their ADP is, is right the yeah, exact right. same. And so that's right, because I think uh, maybe Young has better upside because we just haven't seen it, but mm -hmm. they're kind of the same guy, aren't they? Like, except for Bregman walks. Um, you can kind of throw Arenado in there, right? All three yeah. of them is like a, a young, medium, old version of like 25-90. Yeah. And then the batting I, averages vary between the three a little bit. Yeah. And I so I think, you know, one of the things I'm doing in early drafts is I'm, I'm kind of playing around with roster construction, right? I'm going, okay, this draft, I'm going to start this way. This draft, I'm going to start that way. And I want to kind of see as I get to the middle rounds and then the late rounds, especially like, okay, how does my team look? Um, and what's, what is my favorite kind of way to put together the puzzle? And I think what's going to end up happening is you're, I'm probably going to stop taking so many uh, uh, shots on guys like, Austin Riley and stop taking so many shots on guys like Devers or even J Ram though. J Ram is like different because the stolen bases. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to pass on those guys for other talents and then take one of these three guys, the Arenado, the Jongs, the, uh, uh, the Bregmans, because I think they offer pretty good value and pretty like pretty good, like right in production. Like I can just write it down what they're going to exactly. get. And no, and uh, and I'll fill in the the gaps in stolen bases in the other spots. 
I couldn't agree with that more. Um, yeah, like we, we spoke the we spoke of the highlights of Devers and, and Riley and how viable they are. They really, really are. I don't mind if you take them there. But as you look deeper, why not just wait for Arenado Bregman and go elsewhere there? You want to get that ace? You know, maybe you've done a few drafts and you're like, I keep coming up short and pitching, and I got Devers and Riley on these teams. Boom. Take an ace there instead. Get yourself an Arenado Bregman young later. And you're getting similar production, right? They, those guys are more 3,100. These guys are 2,590. Give me the 2,590 with an ace as opposed to the 3,100 with a, a much lesser pitcher there in the rounds that the, that those guys are going. Maybe not much lesser, but a lesser pitcher. So I like what you're saying there about team construction and playing with that. If you are a multi-leaguer and you do, you know, three, four, five winter drafts you should be doing some different things or else i'm yeah. not sure you're getting the best value out of those drafts assuming you're using it to sharpen your your knowledge of the player pool and see different things that happen um because yeah just drafting five of the same team it's like okay well if you're good you know, those might be successful teams sure but I'm with you. I like to kind of see what's what because then March hits and that's when the big drafts come, the, the, usually the higher dollar ones for me and you. And so we want to sharpen our skills so that when we go into those drafts, we don't have a bunch of questions. We feel confident about how we want to attack the pool, the things that we can do and the things that we can get away with. And these are the drafts that you are are practicing for that. So I think that's a great thing to point out for sure with third base. And it's going to put me in this old guard tier quite a bit, even if that means not getting a ton of Royce Lewis. Um, because as much as I love him, I can't get eight shares of him at pick 54 and have him go out in <laughs> April. And then my teams wouldn't all be ruined, but they would all be severely damaged. So you'd have probably to do a only... lot more work on a lot more teams. Exactly. Might ruin your season. Exactly. So I'm going to, I'm probably going to get, you know, two or three shares across my eight, nine, 10 teams. And that's it with Royce Lewis. But I really love this old guard tier for sure. But we're going to go ahead and cut it here for part one. Um, and then, you know what, I'm going to commit to us finishing the third base preview next episode. We're not doing a three part third base. I just have to pee very badly right now or else we would keep going. I'm just going to be honest with you. I really, really have to pee. So we're going to end right now. Don't and, hold uh, it in. That is that is not good for a man That's what I'm saying. Age. I'm, I'm yeah. too old to be holding it in. Yeah. So we're going to mm -hmm. end here. We'll get together on Wednesday or Thursday. You and I will uh, figure out what day works better for us. And we will finish third base. We will only do two parts for third base. So um, even if we get hot stove moves, we will still commit to finishing the hot corner. But Justin, I'm going to go de-thaw and use the restroom. I hope you have a great day, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.